You're listening to the Great Sin 68 Podcast, the dedicated Birmingham City women's audio show bringing you the latest news and interviews from the club. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Great Sin 68 Podcast. It is episode 34. Coming up, we will be chatting the international break as well as looking ahead to Sunday's game against Everton. I am joined once again by Kaz Smith. How are you tonight, Kaz? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. We're also joined by the returning Chris Pugh, who has been stateside for what seems like the whole summer. Have you returned a poorer but better man for it, Chris? Yeah, certainly poorer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully better, yeah. No, it was a fantastic trip, yeah. I think we could probably spend a good hour recounting your whole adventures, but why don't you share with us your favourite memories of the trip? It's a difficult one to put into in, into some sort of order, but we went to the Grand Canyon for the day, which was fantastic. Went to see some orcas out in the wild as well, and a whale-watching cruise, uh, which was brilliant, and probably all of California, San Francisco, LA, and San Diego. That whole stretch was, was really, really beautiful. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to see San Francisco and the bridge and stuff. In terms of the Grand Canyon, I've I've never seen the appeal to it. Is it just the vastness of it, the the like the sheer look of it when you get to it? Is that is that the appeal? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, we you can go to different parts of it. it obviously, it's so big you can't do you can't do all of it at once, sort of thing. But it's it's just the the amazing structure of it all, how it's how it's formed itself over years and. And the Colorado River flowing through it. We got some really beautiful views. That sounds great. Uh, Kaz, you got any questions for Chris? Yeah, have you missed me? Oh, massively. It's been... Yeah. It's been we, we were ready to come home after three weeks because we just missed you so much. Oh. That's, that's, what, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> now the trio have been reunited then. Let's get into this week's show. We'll start with the Wales versus England game, which we went to last Friday, wasn't it, Kaz? It was, Yes. In terms of the atmosphere, it was amazing. The 5,000 fans that made the journey down to Newport to watch this one. From an England perspective, it turned out to be a good result. But just talking about the atmosphere, Kaz, what did you think of it with the the amount of fans that were there at uh, Rodney Parade? It was absolutely brilliant. I think it's for like an England international game, it's probably one of the best atmospheres I've been to. It was certainly a great atmosphere from the start. We had England fans belting out the national anthem. Also, the Welsh fans, they sang their the hearts out for their own national anthem. The city itself, it was really nice. It's the first time I've been in Newport for longer than about 15 minutes on like a train journey. What did you think of the city, city Kaz? Have you been there before? And what did you think? No, I've never been there before. Obviously, I went to the Wills-Russia game, but obviously we were in and out in that. The only bit I've seen of Newport was the pub. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it was the infamous pub. I can't remember. I can't remember the name of it now. But it's it's right round the corner from the ground, and it's we had a few drinks outside before the game. Got to meet Haley Lad's dad, which was a nice moment for me. He seemed a really nice bloke. But then it was on to the game, of course. And were you surprised that there was no physical copies of the programs, Kaz? They obviously spent all their money on the box of clappers, which they had about twenty boxes of those to give out. I like to collect programs, so it was like very. What's the word I'm looking for? Disappointing. Yes, thank you, Chris. You like to have like a bit of a memorabilia from the games, and then obviously we didn't get that. That was the only real disappointment of the evening, I think. So we'll go over the game then. There was the first major talking point was the disallowed goal for Nikita Paris, who was adjudged to be offside, but replays suggest otherwise. 
Then the first goal finally came when Fran Kirby played the ball across the box for Tony Duggan to curl it into the net. Then the second goal for England, it was Lucy Bronze chipping the ball over the top of the defence for Jill Scott to head into the net. In terms of the first two goals, I thought there was a simple uh, brilliance to them. They might not be the most elaborate of passes for either goal, but Kirby and Bronze played the right ball at the right time to set up the goal scorers. That's the difference in tight games like this, Kaz. I think out of the three goals that we scored, Jill's was like the best one. That ball from Lucy and then power that Jill got on the header from where she was stood was unreal. Yeah, it was almost like a standing start that she had and then she obviously got the power and Laura O'Sullivan could do nothing in goal. She just couldn't react in time and it went straight into the top corner. So fabulous goal, that one. England scored another one later on. Laura O'Sullivan had a bit of a mistake. She spilled the ball to Jodie Taylor, who crossed it across the box for Paris to head home. Credit to Wales, though, after this game. Their players came over to the England supporters. What did you think, Kaz? That was a nice touch by them, despite how disappointed they must have been. Yeah, I think with the Wales squad, they're very uh, humble of all the support they get. Like, we just when we were just talking about hopefully they get to the playoffs, and like Tash Harden was like, so do we, like, but thanks for your support. It's nice, even though you're not supporting Wales at that game, it was nice, like, at the end of the game to be able to be supporting them, hopefully, for the playoffs. But unfortunately, they missed out. Yeah, they unfortunately missed out after results went against them today. Jane Ludlow's side needed Czech Republic to beat Iceland and for Italy to beat Belgium. And unfortunately, neither of those happened. But in terms of the game, the crowd, I was I was really impressed by the fact that the crowd had stayed all till the end. There was a few, like, a few stragglers who left early on. But majority of the 5,000 fans who went, most of them Welsh, of course, stayed till the end cheering their team on. And that just goes to credit to what Jade Ludlow's inspired in this Welsh side, Chris, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, we didn't catch the game uh, over in America, but we, us, we saw the highlights. I agree with you too. That I think I think Kirby's pass, there was no rash decision. You know, she, she took her time and, and played Duggan in, which was really, really well done. And I think the keeper maybe could have done a bit better with the second and third goals but like you said the i think the fan base that you know they've they've created um similar to what the men did when they qualified with euro 2016 i think they've created a mentality that they're so together their focus was was solely on on qualifying for for the world cup unfortunately that hasn't happened this time round but if it's gained them a lot of fans that will stick around for the next European qualifying campaign, then fantastic. You know, it's almost like half a job is done. And if they can get the kind of support that they have done over the World Cup campaign, then hopefully they can they can make it to the next Euros. We certainly hope so with the likes of Hayley Ladd and the Welsh team. The win meant England are through to the World Cup, of course, in France next year. They had another game which took place yesterday when you hear this. Lucy Stanleyforth started for England for her first game in England colours for the senior squad and she scored on her debut in a 6-0 win for England. The BBC had a bit of a mare with this one to be honest and a lot of the England fans had to resort to watching the game on a Kazakhstan stream to watch the action. In terms of the goals, Beth Mead scored the opening goal for England from the penalty spot with her first goal for the senior side. Rachel Daly and Izzy Christensen then scored to make it 3-0 before Lucy Stanleyforth got herself in on the act as well. Beth Mead got her second but could have got a hat-trick but she missed a penalty in the second half and substitute Lucy Bronze got the final goal in a 6-0 win. In terms of the performance, Kaz, I don't know if you saw the game or not today but obviously 
it was a game we expected to win against Kazakhstan and with so many changes it's good to see that the players performed and fighting for a place in possibly Phil Neville's next team. It's nice to see they're finally being given the chance. The likes of Lucy, Danny Forth, Gabby George, Mary Earps, uh, Leah Williamson's another one that I thought maybe should have had a cap before now. So yeah, it was nice to see Phil actually giving people a chance. Absolutely. Before we move on to talk about the England under 23s then, a brief word for our other international players. Harriet Scott, who played in the Republic of Ireland's 4-0 win over Northern Ireland on Friday. She suffered a few injuries at the back end of last season, so it's good to see her back out on the field for Ireland. Hopefully the minutes will do her well as she tries to get her debut for Birmingham City. Elsewhere, Scotland beat Switzerland last Thursday 2-1 to set up a nail-biting final day of qualifying. Scotland needed to beat Albania and hope Poland could take a point off Switzerland to top the group and book a place at the World Cup. Anything less than they would have had to settle for the playoffs? Scotland did their bit as Jane Ross scored the winning goal in a 2-1 win over Albania. As for the other game? Well, Poland did indeed get a point against Switzerland, so Chloe Arthur and Scotland are into their first ever World Cup. It's, it's, it must be an amazing occasion for Scotland, Chris, to make history. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... I think the the fact that you know Scotland obviously got to the Euros last time and they probably didn't do themselves justice in that tournament. Of course, they didn't have Kim Little, who, who unfortunately was ruled out injured for the whole tournament. So the fact that Kim Little gets another shot at international tournament is brilliant news because you know she's been one of the best players in the world over the last eight ten years. So you want to see the better players in the big international tournaments and and thankfully for for Scotland certainly and and for Kim you know that she gets a chance at, at representing her country in a major tournament which is brilliant yeah i think the last tournament the big tournament that i've seen her play in she must have been the london 2012 olympics i think she's in that team yeah she? yeah yeah so it's it's nice to, for her to finally get back on the international stage and hopefully Scotland do themselves justice in France next year. Let's move on to the England under-23s then, and they were off to the annual Nordic tournament in Norway over the past week with the likes of Paige Williams, Sarah Mayling, and of course their captain Aoife Mannion all in action. You could be forgiven for not knowing anything about it though, trying to find the latest scores, let alone match updates, were near impossible to do. I will say fair play to Bobber Hammer, a Norwegian football fan, who took it upon himself to livestream the games from his phone, more than any of the FAs did. In terms of the games, the English FA website still has no match report for the US game or the Sweden game at the time of recording, but thanks to the clever folks on social media like Girls on the Ball, we know the scores, thankfully. In the first game, England were 1-0 winners over Norway, a goal from Blackburn Rovers' Natasha Flint. In game two, England drew 0-0 against the United States of America, and in their third game, they played Sweden and unfortunately lost 2-1 despite a goal from Ella Toon. USA won the tournament with two wins and a draw. England finished second with four points and Norway and Sweden both had three points. I don't know how much of these you both saw, but what were your thoughts over the overall for the team? It's obviously not the result they would have wanted, but again, they ran America close. They beat Norway and obviously... Last time they played Sweden, I think they lost 3-0, which was in a friendly earlier this year. So it's obviously much improved on that performance. At the end of the day, the the girls will only benefit from from being together as a group. 
playing another tournament. Tournament football is very important experience if if you want to be going into the into the full squad in the future. Four points you've held at America, who are traditionally very good at young levels as well as senior level. Beaten Norway when you're already in Norway, and as you said, the you know the the result might not have gone the way we wanted against Sweden, but it's an improvement on on recent results against them. So. Sometimes the, the performances are equally as important as the results. I think you know having these regular tournament experience will will will, will set the girls good in the future. And obviously with Aoife and Paige and Sarah being part of this squad, hopefully they can keep going and break into full squads soon. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Kaz? Any thoughts? I agree with Chris on that. Like America are like one of the best teams, aren't the rank number one in the world at the minute as well. I think so, yeah. To end the game nil-nil with them, that must be like so positive going forward. Actually, we were unlucky against Sweden, but we scored against them this time and beating Norway on their own turf. That that was just, I think, the icing on the on the cake for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tournament to gain experience at the end of the day. It's obviously a friendly tournament, so. Hopefully, as you both say, they'll get the experience from the, the position and hopefully push towards a full senior cap in the future. It's now on time to our new game, which is going to be called Blue Who. You have to guess the player. I'm going to give you five clues. Just say your name when you think you know the answers. The first clue is as follows. They were born on the 6th of January, 1992. 92 makes them 26. Carol. Carol, yep. I think it's Keris uh, Harrop. Incorrect. So, Chris, do you want to have a go on this this clue, or do you want to move on to the next clue? I'll go with Hayley, lad. Incorrect. Second clue, she has played for the University of Birmingham. We're going to move on to the next clue. She's scored 19 times in 39 appearances for her previous club. I'm going to take that as the next clue. <laughs> Time for the next clue. She is a former England Youth International. Chris? Chris, go for it. Stanley Forth? Incorrect. Kaz, do you want to have a go before we move on to the last clue? Uh, Yeah, go on, go on, last clue. She has previously played for Aston Villa and Reading. Chris? Chris, go for it. Follis? Emma Follis is correct. Chris wins this week's clue. Since Chris has won, Chris gets to plan next week's quiz. So, Chris, if you pick a player and get five clues, and we'll, me and Kaz will go head-to-head next week. I certainly will. Let's move on to our final bit of the show this week, and that is the preview for Birmingham City versus Everton, which takes place this Sunday. It's the first league game of the new season after two weeks of cup competitions and an international break, of course. The Blues won last year's fixture between the two sides 2-1, with Ellen White and Charlie Wellings both on the score sheet. Everton have signed Birmingham midfielder Abby Lee Stringer in the transfer window. They've also signed Dominique Brunenberg from Sunderland, who I believe scored against us last season. But I think the one to look out for is their new striker, Hannah Kane, who has signed from Sheffield FC. Losing Courtney Sweetman-Kirk to Liverpool is, of course, a big blow for Everton. But if Kane can step up from the second tier, she'll be one to watch. The 19-year-old scored five times in 13 appearances last season, but has also scored at youth level for England. It'll be interesting to see how she gets on this season. Chris, first of all, you, uh, what do you think this game's going to bring? I think Everton have, have showed towards the back end of last season that their, I think their ethos and their style is, is is similar to ours. I think that you know they 
they want to build a, a team which can which are comfortable playing playing football, whether it whether it's across the midfield or from the back. Yeah, they've brought in some decent additions that you've mentioned there. Obviously, we know we know all about Stringer. Breunenberg for Sunderland last season played well against us. I thought in both games that we played against Sunderland, scored a really good goal against us up at Sunderland. So yeah, I think I think it'll be it'll it'll be tricky. But we're at home. We've got a very good record at home, and we went to Everton right at the back end of last season. I think it was and won three nil. Yeah, the last last away game of the season that was, I think. Yeah, and we scored some very good goals that day. So hopefully Ellen comes back from international duty. I noticed she didn't play any part in the in the Wales game and then she didn't travel to Kazakhstan. So hopefully she'll be fit for the for the start of the season to, to take her place up, up front and we get off to a cracking start. Yeah, she looked in good spirits um, at the Welsh game. She obviously wasn't even on the bench for that game, so it's hopefully it's just a precaution and she's being saved for the first game of the season. Kaz, what do you think about this game? Do you think Everton's going to be a tough test? It's going to be a very good midfield battle, I think. Obviously, you've got the likes of Haas and then you've got the likes of Hayley Ladd as well. They both like to be on the ball. So I think it's going to be won or lost in midfield. Yeah, let's hope it's going to be a good game on Sunday. Prediction time then, and I'm going to start it off. I'm going to think it's going to be Birmingham 2, Everton 0. How about you, Kaz? I'm going to go... Oh, 2-1. 2-1. And what about you, Chris? I think we'll keep a clean sheet. Um, I was thinking 2-0 as well, but I will go 1-0. Hopefully my luck continues since Chris has been away. I've, I've done quite well. Apparently I got it right last week, Chris. That, you must be proud of that. I'm very proud. I hope, I hope you get it right this time as well. Well, I hope any of us get it right this time around, yeah. From what I remember, you did, you had a good year last year in predictions over over the course of the season, so maybe your luck could be returning this year. That would surprise me. That would surprise me if I did well in predicting football results, but I don't normally do that. And that was the Great Sense 68 podcast. To listen to future shows or listen back to our previous ones, go to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you may use, and search for Great Sense 68 and subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep right on. Keep